Welcome to Pod Rocket, everyone. Um, I'm Kate. With me today is Matt Perry. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks. Yeah, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Doing well. And our engineer, Noel. Hi, Noel. Welcome back. Hey, hey Kate. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting over a cold. You can probably hear it. Like I feel like, you know, half the half the globe right now, but you know, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> awesome. Um, awesome. Well, Matt, if you wouldn't mind starting us off and kind of telling us what you're working on and um, um, yeah, frame or motion, motion one, all that good stuff. Yeah, clearly have some sort of addiction to writing animation libraries. Uh, I'm writing Frame Motion, which is a React animation library, and Motion One, which is more of like a jQuery for uh, web animations API, which is the, the native JavaScript um, animations API that comes bundled in like every browser pretty much these days. Um, but it just smooths over some of the inconsistencies while adding like a few features of its own. Very cool. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I guess just to start, maybe tell us about pop motion and kind of, um, like that timeline and how, how it got to, um, now, which is a uh, framer one. Yeah. So, um, pop motion was like, uh, yeah, that was my first animation library and that's very much, I mean, it's still used today. That's still inside of framer motion. Uh, but it's like a, um, pure JavaScript. The way I see it is it just like, pumps out numbers and you know colors and strings once every animation frame and you can kind of put those wherever you like so it doesn't need to be the dom it could be uh, 3js or or you know pixie i think um, but basically you can do whatever you want with it um and at some point i think it was quite flexible but it's uh and its job was to be flexible so i could build stuff on it and, and stuff like that but it didn't really get much adoption, I guess, because it is very low level. And uh, the developer experience compared to something like Greensock um, wasn't as good because, you know, Greensock, especially for the DOM, yeah, it does its job uh, really well. Whereas PopMotion, you'd have to come along and uh, set the style tag yourself and, and things like that. So then I, uh, someone, I was at work once and someone was looking through some code that I'd written and they asked, what a tween was and like for those who don't know like a tween is like a very like going back to, for me like going back to the flash days where you'd um put your keyframes a and b and the tween would be like the animation between those two keyframes and it would work out like all the uh spaces in between um and uh and it, it just struck me like it's it's something it's one of those times when you realize that you don't even know what you know like you're so deep into this, like you did, I didn't even think that like a tween, tween's like the fundamental building block of, of um, animations. And it, it never really occurred to me that even as a word, especially to a non, uh, native English speaker, so it, it, in so many respects, it's actually quite an unfriendly word. Um, and it got me thinking about all of the other ways in which there's a lot of people out there. I kind of assumed another bias I had was I kind of assumed that everyone cared about animations the same way I did. Uh, so I, you know, go the extra mile to write pretty complex animations. And uh, especially when you mix some of that imperative code of React, it was, uh, it, it could get quite brittle and messy. So I came up with Pose. Uh, and the idea with Pose was that all the animations would be declarative the same way uh, React and Vue are because it, you could have like special wrappers for React to view. 
and um but most most importantly you could just define kind of the values you wanted to be the latest values and it would by default figure out a like a nice animation for that so if it was a transform which is like a physical like a rotator scale um x y it would probably use like a a spring animation which is something that has that physical um it can have it it's it's quite a physical motion so um instead of just saying be one second or be half a second of animation with the season curve it has a genuine um energy that you can then if that um animation is interrupted you can pass into the next animation so it just by default created these really natural motions um and then yeah framer came along uh asked me to do something similar with um framer motion so we could give bring those animation capabilities to to framer and framer motion pretty much is pose like it was it was almost like the next major version of it but it was react only um and yeah and so that's that's how i got as far as i am in a sense today whereas motion one now is like a side project it's just more it came out of some experience that i was doing with wappy the web animations api uh i was trying to just make it um more user-friendly trying to smooth its rough edges and and yeah and, and yesterday i published uh, motion one for view oh wow yesterday yeah just yesterday um which it's very much like frame of motion style declarative api but for view and using these wappy animations under the hood instead of pop motion yeah i was i'm like i feel like my the closest i ever brushed with Pop motion was when I was doing some uh, side project stuff in Pixie, and people were pointing me at it. Um, how, like, how does the like if you were a web dev going in and you wanted to do your your animations kind of at that lower level, would you still point someone at Pop Motion now to like you know start a project with it? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's been in a almost um, like finished state, I guess, for a little while. So there's probably not much more I'm going to do with it um apart from keep it you know make sure it's current but bits of it have made its way into motion one uh for instance we've got like a a polyfill for um transforms because uh to do independent animations on transforms in safari uh where wappy doesn't yet support uh css variables we need like a, a tiny uh number polyfill polyfill and it's about a K, what a kilobyte. Um, and yeah, so bits of pop motion have ended up there. And I think that polyfill will probably form the basis of a new, not pop motion, but something sim- like of a similar low level nature. But I'm just trying to keep the focus of motion one to be uh, DOM, WAPI, whereas that gives pop motion the freedom to still be this low level thing it's good to hear that you actually used it for pixie i've never used pixie myself but that's exactly the kind of like i wanted people to use it on like a you know something as crazy as an arduino like could you you could animate leds with this um i never really saw much of that but the, you'd get the occasional user and it was uh it was pretty cool when you saw stuff like that yeah it was a cool world to kind of delve into like again i was just messing around trying to make some like you know super animated click drag ui stuff um yeah, it was really nice. Um, I guess if we can kind of wind back time a little bit, what? how did you kind of get into this space initially? Like, how did you become interested in animation and get started with Pop Motion? Uh, well, for, for, right from the start, it was more that um, 
when I was like starting out in a career, I was coming more from like a design background. So I really loved uh, Flash because it sort of took you beyond the limitation, especially at the time. Like there's so much you couldn't do with CSS. Like border radius was new when I was a kid, basically. Um, tran- transitions were not well supported. So then when you got Flash and you could use green sock in it, uh, some of the effects like uh, background blur and all of these amazing transitions and to have the GUI as well. Um, so I guess over time, I was just more and more interested in making those uh, natural feeling or engaging user interfaces. Uh, but then I, I at some point I thought, okay, well, I'll write a book. Uh, I'll put into, I started to have all these ideas about how like the like as as the like the yeah the fidelity of our devices and our inputs so the, the our outputs being the screen and our inputs being like uh touch and the fact that like over time like the 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 um the graphics on the phone screen like it's something as simple as it coming uh closer to the surface like over time like if you look at like an old iphone or an, you know any old um portable device like a nintendo ds or something it's visually like beneath the sort of top layer of glass or plastic. Um, so you can see, like, it's almost like there's a divorce between you and the interface and the frame rate's not that good. Whereas now the frame rate's like 120 FPS. So in these, these, and I'm sure the response time's going down as well. Um, so as that user interface is almost represented in the real world better and you're represented in the virtual world better by virtue of it accepting your touch input with lower latencies. Um, you know, you can imagine like Oculus, the Oculus handsets are like ridiculously precise. Um, my, my thinking was that over time, uh, you're, if you're a software developer, you need to write interfaces that sort of keep up with this, um, change, this change over time. So, uh, that includes, um, spring physics and, and, um, accurate tracking and all of this. So I wanted to write a book that just expressed like certain ways that you could probably make your windows or your modals or your side menus feel a bit more like they belong in the real world. Um, just really so that the web, because the app developers, are, like I feel like they're consistently, they've been on the edge pushing this forward. Whereas I feel like in, on the web, the bar is, it tends to be lower. And I think just because of, well, I mean, so many reasons, but like budgetary and just, just the way it is, like, um, you've got to, you've got to, uh, think about a much wider variety of, um, devices as well. So there's, there's so many reasons, but anyway, I thought, you know, for a book, then maybe that will, um, but as I was writing the live examples, uh, this, um, there were certain edge cases and uses that, uh, I, I needed to write functions for like a like a spring is a good example. And at some point I looked at it and I thought, oh, I've got a library. And then I never wrote the book and I wrote pop motion instead. And actually a similar thing happened with motion one. I tried to write a book about WAPI and every time I'd like do it cross browser, I'd hit something. This is a bit more practical, but I'd hit something it couldn't do or I hit some weird like in some like a, for instance, like the finished polyfill. You know, it doesn't work in all browsers. It doesn't work on certain Google phones. So I thought, oh, well, I'll write a function that 
polyfills that. And then before you know it, you've got a library basically. So this has happened twice. Gotcha. I guess, yeah, that's, I'm, I, on, on that front of like, you know, uh, you, you, like user experiences being able to be very like responsive and snappy and quick now, like you said, even like the distance between screen and like glass surface being shorter impacting that. Are you disappointed at like how, you know, small a percentage of the web is animated? I mean, even like the big players, right? Like google.com has no real animation. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And I, I, I mean, when it's something like Google, I'm definitely against superfluous animation. I don't think that it's it's needed in, in every respect. Um, but this, that's definitely, I don't think we're on the wrong side of it. Like, I, I don't think everything has to be like a co-drops level um, website. But there's somewhere between there and where the majority of websites are. That we, like, if, if you've got like a drop-down menu... I know that there's a contingent of people out there who will say, just give me the menu instantly um, and and I don't need to see any animations. But animations do teach users the difference between the state they were in and the state that they've, you know, they've ended up in. Um, it, it takes them along the journey rather than changing it, things, to pulling the rug under them and then letting them figure out what's changed. Um, especially when it's not like a direct, like if it's something that's an indirect action, cause and effect, then um, that sort of thing can be quite confusing. Animations can be quite instructive. But um, yeah, basically, I'm, I don't know. I feel there's, there's certain ways in which it's gotten really nice as well, though, because like when retina and high-resolution displays came out, there was a, definitely a lag between the um, assets that we were using, so not as many SVGs, way more like um, rastered images, and then they'd all look crap because the they're all for one x screens but actually quite quickly that did change that now everyone uses svgs and if they don't they'll serve um images like it's much easier to serve uh, images responsibly so that you're getting like a really high fidelity image and i think just as something this is all part of it like it's it, you know even though it's not animations but these high fidelity uh assets um are, make a massive difference to how how the product feels oh yeah for sure yeah, kind of, kind of to your point of like superfluous animations getting in the way. Um, that reminds me of a podcast I listened to years ago. I think it was Software Engineering Daily. I'm trying to remember the guest's name. Uh, she worked with like the Vue.js native animations that were like part of Vue at the time. Um, Sarah Drasner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, and yeah, that was kind of her big point too. Is like when animations get in the way, you notice immediately. But when they're mm -hmm. done really well, like really quick like and right in, in that sweet spot, like they really add to that just engagement with the app. Um, anyway, yeah, so, yeah, so I, no, I, no, I, it's, I, it's, it's yeah. a super important point. And that's why I like the defaults in motion one, frame of motion, they're all under like 0 0.3 um, seconds. So they're pretty quick. Um, maybe it could be quicker, I don't know. But um, I feel like that's a, a sweet spot, but they'd never be like these one second uh, dramatic transitions between uh, one thing and the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you want that for some reason, right? Yeah, it's totally, totally. Dramatic it's, sweep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, it's actually like not... So if you've got like a full screen um, transition, a 0 0.3, so it is something you have to uh, think about. It's not just like there's no golden rule that you can just say no animation should be more than 0 0.3 seconds. Like I'd love mm -hmm. to do stuff where we uh, measure the size of the things that's changing. Like if it's a full screen wipe, 
you don't necessarily, it can be quite jarring for it to happen in 0.3 seconds. It's too, like, it's a bit too quick. Um, so, but the, there's performance aspects to consider as well. So you can't go around measuring every um, element on the page. Um, and likewise, there's certain um, actions that people do quite regularly. So the first time, you might want a bit more of a slow animation for people to really to really nail or to drive home the thing that's changed. But then the hundredth time they've done it, you don't need to drive that home. But currently, there's no good way of, well, there's no convenient way of um, automatically adjusting the duration of animations based on that user's history with your product. So at some point, I'd love to make it like automatic that we add a multiplier on on every animation. This is the first time we've ever used the animation. It's like a point one three, sorry, one three, one point three times duration, just to elongate it a little bit. But it's never. That's always one of those things that you think is nice to do, but you've never got around to actually implementing it. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, I guess. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I had a chance to mess with Framer a little bit. I, I wasn't familiar with it before, before kind of preempting this conversation here. Um, and yeah, I, I felt that it was, it was very easy to kind of go in and like set the durations and like the feedback loop of making tweaks to animations, I think was like the coolest thing for me. It's like, oh, I could see really quickly how, you know, changing this duration or taking like tweaking the transition, <clears throat> the transition function for this animation, like affected the feel of the UI. Um, but I also noted that I felt that those mapped um, pretty directly with like a lot of the variables in um, like CSS transitions and stuff. Are those like is that is that just a function of the web like animation APIs being the same, or is that like a decision you guys made when implementing that? Yeah, no. It's um, so there's certain things that it can't do, like springs. There's no springs in in web web animations. So. Um, but when it comes to easing, it's more that it's there's a fundamental, uh, like it's always, it's not by accident, but it's the fundamental truth of animation, not of, like we never try to map it to CSS. Um, we more, it's more that CSS has like a, you know, I think it's got five easing functions. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah and, and keep it messier. But so we've got, uh, keep it messier and a bunch of presets, just a few more, but not really. Uh, it's not like a catalog or anything, but they're quite tiny functions, so we include a few. Um, and yeah, it's just more, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's more because you'll always want an ease in, you'll always want an ease out, you'll always want like a, we have the, this little ones with like an overshoot. Now they should really be in CSS, but they're not. So that's that. <laughs> but it's it's because then it's yeah basically that's the if yeah we don't let the limitations of CSS stop it but where that's not true so much is with Motion One where we are kind of beholden to what's already in the platform to some degree so we add springs but we only add them to um, independent transforms where we can do it on pure numbers so ninety degrees rotation but if you then start going what the web is capable of is animating between a string like none and translate x 100 pixels spring calc you know so and so so you can get really um and motion one doesn't do that because with it does it it does it but not with springs 
springs or numbers only because when like the spring is a kilobyte but then if you want to do that crazy you know amazing interpolation between these um super complex strings you've got performance things to worry about because uh, you've got file size like are we going to like how are we going to do this are we going to take that string and figure out what the matrices is and interpolate between those two and all sorts of um questions and file size you'd be talking like you know four an extra 4k an extra 5k so it's for me motion frame of motion is like let's make the best animation library possible no matter what almost whereas motion one's more of a um like a trying to find the line between file size performance like what how can we provide the most features for the absolute smallest bundle size yeah nice nice yeah i feel like Kind of, if your mission is to get more of the web animated, that's probably a, a a noble you know bar to measure yourself by. Is like, can people say, oh, the performance? And if if the answer to that is no, like that's probably super helpful. Um, yeah, I guess maybe maybe to kind of reel us back a little bit and help contextualize, could you give us just an overview on like Framer and what it is and kind of where it sits in the market for those not familiar? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, well, it, okay, so it's, it, we're in a transitionary period as well. So historically, what it's been is a, a prototyping tool. So you can imagine if you've used a Figma or even a sketch or, you know, going back, well, I suppose sketch is the first one, but like in one of these uh, like site designer tools but with a freeform canvas, quite importantly, um, frame, framers, um as a design tool, like Figma, Sketch, they use their own renderers. Framer has, it uses the DOM as the renderer. So what you see is what you're gonna get. But beyond being just a design tool, the main difference has always been, it's a prototyping tool where you can, you know, you're you're building with the real, um, almost like the real materials. So you can, when you, design an animation all those performance characteristics and they're going to end up if you you know if you take the transitions and recreate it in a certain way with frame of motion you know that it's going to map pretty one-to-one with uh, so what you see is what you get like it is a WYSIWYG for interactions I guess but so far it's been a prototyping tool and um I mean I, yeah well this is, I, I'm not going to lose my job, but the, uh, we, we, we're, uh, I can say that we're, we're transitioning to, depending when this comes out, um, there's definitely, we'll always support the prototype and use case, but um, in fact, we've got a lot of effort going into that still uh, as well. But one thing that we're doing now is that you can design and develop the website completely in framework with breakpoints um, and components that are reusable and even exportable into your own React component. That's already something you can do, but you'll be able to publish the website directly to a custom domain that you own. Um, and that's it. So I've already done that. I've already got like, I've got a photography site. I There's not a single line of code in it. Um, and I design it in Framer. I design each page in Framer, like arrange the photos how I like, and then I just click publish and it will go, um, straight to my custom domain um and yeah so that's that's the direction more that we're going to go this year nice nice so do you say like you're kind of positioning yourself more i don't know in that like uh like square space realm kind of like the you know 
editable web UI, I don't know, the next next generation of that. Yeah, in a sense. I, the main difference that I'd say with that is that Squarespace is very much like um, a templated experience, and most of them are. So um, this is more like if you um, enjoy design or you can design and you can design with one of these um, traditional industry tools that you can already make a pretty amazing website with, you know, elements animated in when they, when you scroll down the page and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, I guess, yeah, I guess uh, it's, it's, it's very much a more design-orientated thing, though, because it's so freeform. But with the exception that you can also, if you know a developer, they can go in and they can sprinkle in little bits of code, little bits of React, little bits of importing, instantly importing modules from NPM, which happens automatically. You don't need to be, you know, that hardcore developer. You don't need to know command line. You just have to start writing your code. And as soon as you import from Lodash, we'll install Lodash for you. So it's about making that, um, I don't know, finding that, that, that cross between uh, design and, uh, and development, really. Nice. Nice. Very cool. How did like how did you kind of you know discover Framer and you know like the pop motion merge and how how did that all go down? Um, well, I remember I, what I wanted to do at one point was make like an animation editor, mm -hmm. um, and then I saw Framer get released, and uh, I was just like, oh, that's like kind of what I wanted to do, but about a million times cooler. So uh, I I just carried on with writing my libraries and um, Kuhn. As CEO Framer, he got in touch with me from seeing what, like, a, I'm not saying I'm addicted to Twitter, but um, I certainly spent too much time on it. And uh, he he seen some of that, and they needed, uh, yeah, an animation library basically to improve that workflow from prototype to production. Um, and that was it, really. So I hadn't really considered working for him, not out of any. I just kind of really at the time had had enough, I guess, of working for other people. I wanted to work on my own project, if not rarer than just a little bit until like I ran out of money and needed more. Um, but uh, when we started talking, I realized like it was a pretty perfect fit between, um, yeah, what I wanted to do and what they needed out of me. And so, yeah, it's been almost, is it four years? Three years, I think. It's been a while, mm -hmm. and gotcha. uh, yeah, and it's great. Yeah, nice, nice. So, so just so like just like for my understanding and for clarity's sake. So now is is Framer Motion like what actively like when you're in Framer and making those animations? Is that powering the animations? Like when you go into preview mode as well? Like is that is that using Framer Motion to render those animations right away? Yeah, yeah. So you are generating real React Framer gotcha. Motion components. So. You can actually, you don't have to, like the whole website thing is, is you know, a few few weeks, months down the line. But um, the you, what you can do today is design a, what we call smart component. So it's just an isolated component and you can give it different variants and hover, press um, states. And you can, uh, there's a mode called handshake and you can click on that and that'll give you a URL, what, what we call it, like a URL import. So 
you can then go into your it, currently Next.js really supports this, but others I'm sure other platforms like Code Sandbox is working on it or has it implemented. But you'll be able to copy paste that URL. So instead of import motion from frame of motion, you'll import your button from this URL that we give you, and use that directly into your into your code. And that component is it's just a frame of motion component. Um, and likewise, like I, there was a bug uh, that came up like a sometime last year, and someone had been using frame of motion because we use it in Framer as well. Like so, frame of motion powers all of the animations there. But they'd used it in a way based on like a tutorial that I did. It was kind of like, I thought it was this drag and drop. Um, so at the moment now, if you go into Framer, uh, the downloadable uh, web app thing, there'll, there'll be tabs just like in Chrome. And those are all, when you drag them, they reorder. And that's all powered by the layout animation system. Um, and uh, I, but I did, had no, like when I wrote this, Shonky demo. I didn't really think that this is going to be um, used in like a, a real project, and here it was, like sat in inside a framer, and I had like this cold sweat moment, like oh my god, like what this is everywhere, and I need to like, so I I, I converted those this you know instead of fixing the bug, which would have been that would because it's such a it, we kind of like put it together with duct tape this uh, this drag and drop implementation. Um, that's when the reorder components came came to came to be because I just we needed like a simple API like that could focus all the entry points onto this functionality which is then testable um and but yeah that's that's how how that came about really um so we use it yeah to, to answer the question it's in the UI it's in the preview it's in the exported components um mm -hmm. so it's yeah it's quite a fundamental part of that anything that moves basically is uh gotcha so so in in Framer before, like, you know, like Pop Motion became a part of it, what were they, how were they animating internally? Like, you know, when you'd preview or whatever, like preview the app, what was it using at the time? Uh, just an internal, they had like an internal animation library and it was quite interesting, like when I came gotcha. uh, aboard, it's just, it, it was the API that was the problem. It wasn't like, it was a problem, but they'd come from an imperative, um, like they were doing coffee, like the original, original framer was coffee script. So the animation library was kind of this imperative, um, not unlike pop motion or green sock or something like that. Um, but when you had the animate function, you'd animate a value. So, you know, if you want to animate lots of values, so it's just things like this. So, um, even though frame of motion does have all of that same imperative stuff under the hood and you can, ex you know, for advanced uses, you can do all of that. Um, in a majority of cases, it's better to use a simple declarative, um, you know, like props-driven uh, API. So it is, it's, it's less wiring, essentially. Um, so, yeah, so they, they had a lot of the stuff, and they, a lot of the stuff, like, you know, we'd either got an inspiration from the same places or, like, we... It was just amazing to see, like, we tackled a lot of the same problems. Like, so it was kind of... I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. And uh, so because it meant that already what we had in pop motion was going to be, it was going to be an easy transition from one to the other. And that was, it, and it was. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was my, <clears throat> my next question was like, were there, were there API differences that, you know, were challenging kind of when it was like, oh, well, we're going to try to replace all this with pop motion, but you know, X, Y, Z is hard. They did live together for a little while, but it was more like a superset in the end. So, um, yeah, because they have these like 
these animatable values, I think. Um, whereas now we have motion values. So that bit was almost like a one-to-one, let's just move from that, you know, that to this. Um, but it was, yeah, it was pretty smooth. Just on a, on a more personal level, was there any like, uh, issues with, you know, balancing your time on like spending motion or spending time on like pop motion on the library versus working on, you know, like the framework integration stuff. Was that ever a, a balancing act? No, no. Cause when, um, when I'd like move, when I moved to Framer, I took pop motion with me mm-hmm. and, uh, and it, yeah, there was like a, a deal, but like, it, not like, <laughs> so I mean, I don't want to say it was a deal cause it wasn't like a, you know, like this, this big ball of move, but it was like, um, they, we'd like worked it out that pop motion would go to Framer basically. Um, and that meant that like all of my, what was my side projects became my full time job. So any time I spent on pop motion from then on was, it was the it was the job, so that so that was fine. So there was no um, whereas now I know I, just, I didn't do a side project for two years, which is amazing. Um, whereas now with Motion One, that's like I sort of brought back this side project element into my life. So at that point, I mean it's not difficult to juggle the time. It's, it's but it is difficult, like that motivation or keeping up those levels in terms of um, having time mentally for your side project as well as your day job. That's more where the uh, struggle comes in mm-hmm. yeah um, totally so yeah because you've got to be careful to like not burn out basically i'm curious um you've talked about this on other podcasts um like your advice toward for people who are working on a project an open source project uh you know how what would you what advice would you give them if if they're pursuing it to be backed by a company or kind of your thoughts there um, and you, you, when you say you've heard me talk about this, at the risk of contradicting myself, um, <laughs> what did I say then? Um, what was my last answer to this? Um, let's see. What podcast was that on? Oh, the React podcast. Oh, yeah. And that, that's been a couple of years now. But um, at the time you were pro, yes. <laughs> my, my situation might have changed. I think that you, I was lucky. I think that was... Number one, being super focused is um, is another thing. Like I obviously only do animation, and that is a it's like a blessing and a curse because like I'm quite interested in shaders and some 3D stuff, but I'll never really like I don't know. I feel like I can mess around with it, but I'll never be able to. Or at least for a while, I don't think I'll have the time to like get rid my head completely involved in that. And I think that I, I feel like when you really um, uh, immerse yourself in something, that's when you can start getting quite good at it. Um, and before then, like you kind of just, you know, unless you're naturally talented, which I'm, like I've seen, I, I'm, you know, no. So um, you need that that time in it to 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 keep um, to to get that good. And I think then you've got a better chance of someone else needing the skills that you're, just, you know, that you're showing off naturally you're showing that you've got a natural enthusiasm for something um which i think will lead to a natural like the project that you're making will be good as well um but that's not to say that that's advice that i'd happily give someone like you have to be super into it to be able to spend that much time thinking about it doing it because otherwise like that is when you like but yeah it's when you burn out basically um, and I think the, the primary thing is just to, you know, enjoy it 
and so I enjoy it. So I don't, I, you know, I, do, I try and be quite mindful of like the amount of time that I spend doing something. But at the end of the day, this is something I really enjoy. So even though I think, oh, wouldn't it be good to like get involved with some other part of this industry? Um, I enjoy this enough that it, that's not really a problem for me. Yeah, awesome. I also like just as a yeah, side, side note, I remember like there was, um, you know, there's already people working in the sort of world of like, um, web animations API and like trying to make a nice API around that. And what I said to, because when I released motion one, I think I got the sense of like, uh, has what I've just done, like kind of a waste of time. And I was like, no, because like, first of all, like, you know, you now are like a, almost like a domain specialist, you know, so much more about the ins and outs of this than like basically anyone else. And they said, Oh, what if I pivoted to this other thing? And I was like, it doesn't matter what you do. You just have to like that. If you're interested in that, that then definitely do it, but don't worry about like it being the right thing to do. Just enjoy it, get good at it. And, and whatever happens from that, like, you know, most, most, but most people work like a nine to five. You know, I do now, luckily on something that is my, what's my side project. Um, but that's just, uh, that's just like what's what's more important is just to like yes it's the state it's the whole like again it's like to stay in the game not you just gotta keep uh keep enjoying yourself basically otherwise uh yeah no and that i it's interesting because i'm especially with animations i mean there's a new animation library that comes out like i mean we see so many so it's interesting um you know it feels like there's a lot of stuff in the space but it's, it's one of those things that can always get better and um you know, as, as you guys were talking about earlier, like, um, there's some, there, there's, there's a, is a way to do too much. And, um, so kind of finding that sweet, that sweet spot is, um, is a challenge. I think, uh, that's, um, it can't hurt to, to just know more about that and have more experience with that. Um, no, that's really cool. Um, okay. So we are coming up on time. Um, did you want to, um, plug anything for our listeners? Um, point them in a direction to go look at stuff, um, that sort of thing? Uh, no, all I'd say, so if you want to check out, um, for, well, I, I, I'm hoping Google will do its job to some degree, but like this uh, frame of motion, if you're a React developer, motion one, uh, if you want to use web animations API or you're a view developer, and my Twitter is uh, twitter.com slash Matt G Perry. Um, and I believe... Yeah, that's, uh, I had nothing to spoke, I'd, I'd suggest that I go, you know, the whole follow me thing, but that's where I like publish everything. So if you want to keep up to a frame of motion on motion one, um, I do it all through there. And, uh, hopefully there'll be a news on a motion one for Svelte soon. So if you're a Svelte band then uh, yeah, definitely, uh, stay, stay tuned. I hate that phrase. Stay tuned. It doesn't even make any sense in this day and age, but I said it, so <laughs> very cool awesome and we'll include all those links um in our show notes cool all right awesome thank you so much matt for coming on and yeah we'll see you around yeah thanks thanks for listening to pod rocket find us at pod rocket pod on twitter or you could always email me even though that's not a popular option. It's Brian at LogRocket.